our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of genesis be reading in chapter two genesis chapter two beginning at verse four let's pray Lord God, open our ears that we might hear your word. Our minds that we would understand. Our hearts that we would love your word and be changed by it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. 
So the men gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the word of the Lord. I'm wondering if I can start by asking for a volunteer to be a timekeeper this morning. Any volunteers? No one's going to raise their hand, are they? Okay, you don't actually need to time, but if I'm going way too long, start waving or something. Because in this past year, I've been given a sabbatical after 10 years of ministry, and I spent six months thinking and writing about forgiveness which means I have a lot of material to cover in one single message. Okay, I won't try to cram it all in. This morning I want to start with a story which is completely fictional. But it's fictional and reveals a deep truth because it's reflective of so many pastoral conversations I've had with students in campus ministry over the years. So imagine, imagine Trisha is sitting in my office on one of the Ikea chairs that have nice frayed edges now that they've been worn thin. Trisha had just gotten home from the weekend with her family. She sat down in the chair and she immediately started to cry. And she said, I've become just like my father. I knew this much about Trisha. I knew that her whole life, as she had grown up, she so much wanted her father to love her, to show her some attention, to notice the things that she did. But he was emotionally distanced. He had his own history, his own baggage, so many things that kept him from opening himself up to his daughter. When Trisha was in high school, she tried desperately to get his attention, trying to, to woo him, to win his favor, even trying troubling things to get his attention. None of it worked. And she was hurt by it. 
on this particular weekend when she had gone home for reasons that she didn't ever explain to me, when they sat down at breakfast, when she expected him to simply bury himself in the cereal that he was eating, he started to open up. He started to talk to her, to recognize her and the things that she had been doing over the years. But Trisha couldn't receive it. She couldn't open herself to him. The pain was too deep. And so she sat there, stone cold, just like her father had done for so many years. She couldn't hear his words in love. She couldn't see him in love. This morning, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And there's a, there's a wealth of things that we could talk about when it comes to forgiveness. For most of us, and I think this is its proper understanding, for most of us, when we think of forgiveness, we think of it as something we do or something we give to someone else after they've hurt us or caused us pain. But that's not the only way to understand forgiveness. Forgiveness is also about hearing or seeing the other person, interpreting their actions and words in love. Forgiveness is always about interpreting the other in love. I love the creation story because it describes a, a really beautiful original posture that we have as human beings. The story goes something like this. We just heard it. God takes the dust of the earth, fashions it, and breathes life into it. And Adam is born. And Adam is so clearly made to love. That's how Adam reflects his maker. Adam's posture is one of love. And he longs to have a partner. So, of course, there's this search that goes on for the partner. And it climaxes in this incredible moment of divine surgery. Where God puts Adam to sleep with a little anesthetic. I don't think he actually used anesthetic put Adam to sleep, extracts a rib, probably adds some more dust, and breathes life into it again. And Eve is born. Two people made to love. And Adam in that moment says, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone." flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Now I know our traditional reading of that passage is that those words from Adam are an incredible expression of love towards Eve, the one that God had created for him. But I want you to just take an alternative reading of that passage with me for a moment, and you need to do some imagining here. Imagine 
Eve is actually a 21st century woman. A 21st century woman who has understood the marginalization of women throughout the course of human history. She knows that in many cultures, women are considered property. That they're not given the right to vote. That they're not given the opportunity to enjoy an education. And this history of marginalization weighs heavy on Eve. Imagine Eve is placed, this 21st century Eve, is placed into the story. How would she have heard Adam's words? Now, I'm guessing here, but I'm guessing that she would have responded by saying, who the heck do you think you are? Flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. I'm not your property. You didn't do anything to fashion or make me. Flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. But that's not at all how Eve responds. Not the one in that creation story as captured in Genesis. In fact, there's really no response recorded at all on Eve's part. And I think that's significant. I believe that the fact that there's no response recorded is because Eve, in her own way, received Adam's words in love, interpreting in them and seeing in them an incredible expression of love on Adam's part. She saw God's best in them, because her original posture as a creature was to always and already interpret the other person's words in love. It's almost as if she could not hear them any other way. That, I believe, is our creational posture. We're born with this or where we were fashioned with this, this ability to always already forgive the other person. Now, I don't know where your minds are going, but I'm going to hazard a guess that someone here is going to raise an objection or a challenge and say, Jamie, are you trying to say that, that Adam could have done something hurtful to Eve, that there was maybe sin in the world before the fall, that his words weren't beautiful and good? The answer to that question is an absolute no. I don't actually believe that there was sin before the fall, but there's something really important to understand about this creational story. And in order to explain it, I want you just to imagine for a moment one of the more broken relationships in your life. I want you to think of, of one of the people that you've struggled to relate to. Maybe they were sitting around the Christmas dinner table with you. Maybe you've lost touch with them so much so that you haven't talked to them for years. 
how did that relationship fall apart what happened to cause such a significant significant rift between you and the other person every one of us will have different stories and they're not all the same and i'm not trying to say that this is true for every story that's captured in this room but i'm going to hazard a guess that a whole number of our stories of broken relationships can be traced back to a series of small relatively small things that someone had done that were misinterpreted and then we responded with a little bit more anger or envy or jealousy and then those actions were misinterpreted and our relationships fell apart because a bunch of small things became big things i've seen this happen with university students all the time houses fall apart because at first someone's just not doing their dishes someone doesn't have the nerve to tell them that they really need to get that frying pan cleaned up and they start talking behind each other's back and a whole other series of events happen until the house is fractured this is how it goes with sin sin in is a matter of escalation it's a matter of little things being responded to not in love but in anger or envy or jealousy or hate and when they start to get stacked up you get this spiraling down effect until we really notice the brokenness of this world sin is a matter of escalation god didn't create us sinful but god did create us in a limited kind of way the creation story doesn't paint a picture of god taking dust out of the earth breathing life into it and creating another god god doesn't even create demigods god creates creational human beings creatures who don't know everything adam doesn't know everything when he says this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone so he's limited but because eve responds out of her very default creational posture of always interpreting adam's words in love it can't escalate into anything problematic god didn't create himself god created human beings who were always and already able to interpret the other person who is limited who didn't know everything but who would always be able to interpret them and their actions in love Now how does this fit with our lives today? I want to uh, paint a picture for you of my sabbatical. 
Guelph, if you know it at all, is blessed with a church, now Basilica, on the hill. It's called Church of Our Lady. And it's a fabulous, fully restored cathedral. And every day, for the six months that I was on sabbatical, I would walk over to the Church of Our Lady, and I would sit in the church pew that don't look that much different than these, and they're no more comfortable. And I would sit there, and I would have a journal in hand, and a Bible, and my book, and I hand-wrote everything. January last year was a dark month. There wasn't a whole lot of sun. So I didn't notice the stained glass windows on the wall. February was a different story. February, there was one week of incredibly bright sunshine. And I remember walking into the church on that first Monday morning at 8.30. The sun was in the, exactly the right height to cast an immense amount of light through the stained glass windows. And there was this kaleidoscope of color in the sanctuary. I realize now why people made stained glass windows. Kaleidoscope of color all over this, the marble pillars and the wooden pews and the stone walls. And I sat there in the morning and I looked around at that color and at the stained glass windows and at the stories that were being told. What was being captured on those stained glass panels was an incredible story of God's love for us. God's love for a world. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That his son would be born among us, with us, our Emmanuel, so that our sins would be forgiven, so that we would be fully restored and be seen by God as beloved children even while we're yet sinners. And I sat there looking up at the story and I realized again, not for the first time, but again in a, in a significant way, I realized that my small little life with my friends in Guelph and family in Guelph, my small little life was part of a much bigger story. God's story. And that I was a beloved child of God. And that through Christ, life, death, and resurrection, God sees me and already now interprets my actions and words, though not perfect, as pure and holy and good. Yes, you heard that right. That's exactly how Paul describes the reconciling work of Jesus Christ. Whether it's in Colossians or in Ephesians, Paul says that in Christ, because of Christ, God already sees you and your broken lives and all the things that you've done wrong. God already sees you as his beloved child. And you are pure and holy in his sight, a new creation because of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is about being able to see and hear the other person's actions and words 
in love. And God in Jesus Christ does that for you. Can we do it for one another? Is it possible to learn to do this with our neighbors, our siblings, our parents, those who have hurt us along the way? Is it possible to see them as God already does in Jesus Christ? Is it possible to see that they are a beloved child of God too? Is it possible to interpret their actions even with all the history of pain that has been experienced in our relationships? Is it possible to interpret their actions today in love? I believe it is in and through the Holy Spirit. I believe it is in and through the Holy Spirit. If there is a role for the Holy Spirit in our lives today, it is about transforming our hearts and renewing our minds, shaping us, reforming us in such a way that we can look at the people in our life and love them. Interpret their actions in love. And how does the Spirit do this? The church talks a lot about sanctification, this process by which God, through His Holy Spirit, sanctifies us, makes us holy, renews us, and restores us. And the church also talks a lot about imagination. And so I want to just reflect very quickly on two quick things. First, that I do believe there are ways to enter into enter into the same kind of creational posture that God had for us in the beginning. Through prayer. Through centering our lives on the word. Through putting into practice the various spiritual disciplines that that begin to shape and mold us, create habits in our lives such that we are more and more inclined to see others as God already sees them. That is the work of the Spirit in our life. I also want to say a quick thing about prophetic imagination. There were two students this semester that were really struggling with their friendship. It was fractured and the fracture was deep. But they had such a long history of friendship together. Too much to let go of. And I remember sitting down with both of them individually and saying to them, I want you to imagine what your friendship will be like in two years. What do you want your friendship to look like in two years when you've graduated? Now, what do you want your friendship to look like in five years when you may have met someone that may become a spouse? 
And I want you to imagine what you want your friendship to look like in 10 years. When you might have kids. You could be celebrating your birthdays together. I want you to imagine what your friendship could look like in 20 years, in 30 years, in 40 years, when you could retire together. See, throughout the Old Testament, God says to his people, imagine. Imagine what it looks like for you and me to dwell together. Because if you imagine what it looks like to dwell together and to be at peace with God and to be fully reconciled to God, you will start to live in that direction. And I invited those students to imagine what their friendship would look like in 5, 10, 15, 20 years so that they would start to live in that direction. People of God, that's the work of the Spirit in our lives. Giving us the imagination to believe that healing and restoration and forgiveness is possible so that we can live in that direction. Forgiveness. God in Jesus Christ has forgiven you. He looks at you and sees your actions and your words and interprets them in love. You are a beloved child of God. Allow his spirit to work in you, to shape you and mold you in such a way that you begin to live in that direction. Slowly but surely, learning to interpret the other's words and actions in love. God has forgiven us. So shall we forgive those around us. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, we come to you this morning so thankful for your love for us. The fact that you see us and hear us and receive us through Jesus Christ. Lord, it's hard, especially in certain circumstances, to interpret the actions and words of those who have hurt us the most and to do so in love. And yet that's what you've called us to do. Lord, by your Spirit, we pray that you would shape us and mold us. That through prayer and centering ourselves on the Word, through all these things, we would have the prophetic imagination to believe that there is a different way and to live in that direction. Lord, we pray for your strength, your perseverance. We pray that we would walk in step with your spirit so that we would experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and gentleness. Lord, we love you. We praise you. 
and we thank you in christ's name amen